Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. Jakuma! Welcome in, brother man. Podcast 126, post-trade deadline podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, probably one of the busier trade deadlines. You know, we're going to get into that real quick, but... Uh... How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Loving life. Uh, we're getting to the halfway point of football season. I'm really enjoying it. But I always get sad around this time of year because, A, I know half of the regular season is gone. But then, B, the bigger issue is this Sunday, the clocks are going back by an hour. And oh, my God. seasonal depression kicks in hardcore. You know this, right? Uh, I've got yep. to get my vitamin D. Um, and vitamin D from the sun, you sickos. Get your mind out of the gutter. Um, I need that 20 wow. minutes a day. And, and I'm feeling good. But the second the clocks go backward... The sunshine goes away, the sun goes down at 3 p.m. I, I just, I'm not good about it, you know what I'm saying? I get very suicidal. So I'm enjoying these last couple days. It's going to be nice out here in Ohio. So, you know, I'm not looking forward to next week. I, I get very suicidal. Wow. Okay. You know this. You, I mean, it's a real thing. I mean, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was that much. Uh, but uh... I'm, I'm not being sarcastic here because there are studies done about how Seattle has the highest suicide rate and there's a direct correlation between that and the lack of vitamin D. I mean, like, what are we talking about here? Oh, I know that. I, I'm not I'm not doubting that or, you so, know, up so in Alaska. So you're saying just because I don't live in Seattle, I can't be uh, suicidal? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm just saying you've you've never mentioned the uh, you know suicidal thoughts here, so I feel like I have to plug the, the suicide hotline at this point and let you know. What is it? Four one one. Call me anytime. Is, is it four one one for the suicidal hotline or nine nine one? No, four four one is information. Now oh, I got to look up the hotline. Um, I guess you could four one one it. Uh, I can't wait for this uh, this to pop up on my Facebook. You know, suggested things. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm looking it up on Google. Terrell is going to use the same computer like, oh, shit, is Brandon okay? <laughs> yeah, let's see. Now that you say that, let me let me plug it up. So the help is available if you hit 988. That will get you to the crisis lifeline. There we go. So, you know, hit that. If you're out there listening, having a hard time, you know, definitely hit that. Reach out to somebody. But, yeah, uh, didn't think it would, the opening was going to take this much of a turn. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> The more you know, Puma, the more you know. We're here doing a service, all right? We're not just Clearly. providing we're not just providing NFL analysis and commentary. We're also helping the people, all right? So people of America, if it's the middle of February, you haven't seen the sun in three weeks, football season's been over for two weeks, and you're starting to get some very weird thoughts in your mind, you're starting to see that lake and it's starting to become more appealing, um, just, just just call 988, okay? Or better yet, call us. You know, give us a call, all right? Reach we, we us through the Facebook, or I'm sorry, through Instagram or Twitter. We'd be more than happy to talk to you, buddy. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. On that note, let's talk about some real football stuff, right, Puma? So the trade deadline has come and gone, and I'm going to go ahead and recap all the big trades that have happened. First of all, it's a very active trade deadline. It is by far the most NFL history with a lot of players being moved. So right off the bat, we've got the big one with Bradley Chubb going from the Broncos to the Miami Dolphins. We've got the Steelers trading away uh, Chase Claypool to the Bears. The Lions have traded away TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. The Falcons have traded away suspended wide receiver Cal and Ridley to the Jaguars. Uh, the Dolphins uh, traded away Chase Edmonds to the Broncos. Uh, the Dolphins again traded for Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. Dolphins have been very, very active. Um, the Colts traded away running back Naheem Hines to the Bills. Uh, the Bills traded away ra- running back Zach Moss to the Colts. Uh, the Jets uh, traded away Jacob Martin, defensive lineman, to the Broncos. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs traded away cornerback Rashad Fenton to the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons traded away safety Dean Marlowe to the Bills. And finally, the Washington Commanders traded away cornerback William Jackson III to the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So quite a bit happened uh, yesterday. Uh, I feel like we needed like an NFL Red Zone-esque show to go through all these trades that they rolled in for the past mm-hmm. uh, four hours until the deadline. Um, but right off the bat, it's a two-part question. Like, what was the biggest trade in your mind? And what was obviously the most shocking trade, right? I mean, because for me, the Bradley Chubb one was very shocking but let me turn it over to you real quick get your thoughts on that and we'll go from there uh the biggest one for me was the uh you know you, you said it the the bradley chubb one i mean when reports started coming out that chubb was linked to either the, you know, the dolphins and then uh, i believe the rams at one point like he was linked to a couple of teams but the the dolphins sounded like they were you know the leader in the clubhouse i was immediately static i mean i was talking to you and our boy freddie in, in our little dm chat 
uh, about it. Super and, Bowl. And I, you know, yeah, I was saying Super Bowl. I mean, my realistic goal is still to make to make the playoffs. I, I think we're a wild card team uh, right now. I, I I don't think at the time I didn't think we had the firepower to jump Buffalo, and even to like that extent, I still think that's the case. But Bradley Chubb on this defense uh, will definitely help things out. Uh, I mean, the defense has not been that great. Granted, you know, Xavier Howard's been dinged up. Byron Jones hasn't been activated off of IR. Um, you know, Ogba's been great. Wilkins has been okay. Uh, but we, we need some more horses on that defensive line uh, to potentially take the heat off of uh, that secondary right now. This is a big boost. Um, I was a little surprised at first when I saw that, you know, Chase Edmonds was part of the deal going over to Denver. It was like, you know, I like Raheem Mostert, but he does have some history with uh, with injuries, and he's just coming off of a knee injury from last season. But when they got uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, from San Francisco because he became expendable after the CMC trade, uh, two weeks ago, I was uh, I was over the moon with with everything going in, and it's it's kind of funny, Jay, because under you know not to take pot shots at Brian Flores, but I, I think at one point in his tenure he mentioned that you know start you know teams with just stars on it can't succeed. Well, you know Mike McDaniel, aka you know uh, uh, you know the, one of the best coaching hires that we've had in a long Mad time. You know, he, he's come out and he's like, he's reloading this team with stars and they all seem to be buying in and he's got a history with some of these guys that are coming over and I'm, I'm really ecstatic and, you know, might, might raise my bar, uh, for, for the, the expectations for the Dolphins moving forward. Yeah, for me, I mean, listen, I'm right there with you, man. The, the Miami Dolphins were so damn active yesterday. They made three moves, two inbound, one outbound. And I guess the Chase Edmonds and Jeff Wilson Jr., like, you know, trades, they basically cancel each other out because you got you got a wide a running back and you traded away a running back. But listen, obviously the most shocking was Chubb, Chubb to Miami. That's a win-now move, right? And, and Chubb basically is one of those hybrid linebackers that can, that can do it a lot. That can do like, you know, four or five different things. He can obviously rush the quarterback. He can drop back into coverage and play spy on somebody. And you're going to need that quarterback. I think this move was directly made for the quarterbacks of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen because you know you're going to have to go play them in the playoffs on the road somewhere. And in that cold weather, you need a Bradley Chubb type of linebacker that can get out there, put some pressure on Josh Josh Allen and Mahomes. Now, the other one that I kind of sneaky like just because of what I've seen out of Justin Fields the last couple of weeks, I kind of like that Chase Claypool uh, move to the to the Bears. Um, obviously, you know, they, they don't really have much of a wide receiver threat. Uh, I, I know Chase Claypool isn't who he was his first rookie year in the NFL at the current moment, but there is some hope he can reignite reignite some of that magic he had as his rookie year. And, and Justin Fields, you know, he's played well. I mean, he in a sense, dismantled the Belichick defense on Monday Night Football. And then last week they lost. And he had some mistakes against the Cowboys, but he still played decent. I- I'm I'm optimistically uh, encouraged by what I've seen out of Justin Fields the last couple of, uh, couple of weeks. So I think that move is going to really help him out. And then finally, the Naheem Himes to Buffalo Bills move. I mean, that's a move that I expected. So I wasn't shocked by it. Not that I expected Naheem Himes directly. I just knew the Bills were sniffing around a couple of different running backs, right? Uh, their running game, for what it's worth, is still god-awful it's a one weakness on their team they've got to find a way to offload some of the pressure off of josh allen and establish a running attack uh, earlier in the week before the trade deadline uh, there was some uh, rumblings with uh, alvin Kamara making a move over to buffalo but it looks like they settled on naheem hines and i think he'll be he'll be fine he'll, he'll be a little serviceable job serviceable job and you don't need you don't need a king henry back there because you don't need a running yeah. back that's going to be able to get you you know 25 30 carries and 200 yards a game and that's what that's what josh allen's going to do he's going to take the brunt of that offensive uh, workload but you need some sort of compliment to him uh, to protect, protect him himself. Exactly. The only thing that's, that was kind of eyebrow raising about the Naheem Highs trade was, you know, I get it. Like Zach Moss, he he, he kind of flashed a little bit, and then he had that you know the ankle injury uh, in that playoff game two years ago against the Indianapolis Colts. You know, ironic enough. Um, but you know, if you're trading for Hines, then, then why did you invest a second-round draft pick in James yeah. Cook? Yeah, I think Cook like, is not that's the, out, though. That's the key, though. Cook is right. The, well, he hasn't yeah. been on the field enough, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, he was out there opening night, and, you know, he had that fumble, but I, I think that was just, you know, the rookie jitters type of deal. But, I mean, when he when he gets the ball in his hands, from, from what I've seen, he's been, you know, he's been explosive when he gets the ball. It's just Devin Singletary has kind of cemented himself as the lead guy back there out of that, you know, air quote, running back by committee. 
But that was kind of like the the eyebrow raising thing of all right, like you got a guy that's kind of with like similar skill sets. Granted, got a little more you know wear on the the tires because you know Heinz has been in the league a little bit longer, uh, obviously. But I just seeing that as like I then why did you take James Cook in the second round? But other well, than that, I mean, well, could you the, could you break it down to Puma as uh, as Cook being a long term investment, so maybe two or three down the uh, two or three down the road years down the road, he could be that that back that carries the the workload. And Naheem Hans is more of a this year kind of move. Like we need him this year in the playoff run. Uh, I hope so. Um, I have to look at the the contract situation for Hines. I don't know if he's a free agent at the end of the year, but um, you know, just looking at what was sent over for you know when you invested a second round draft pick in moss it's a little bit eyebrow raising i don't hate the move it's just the, the one thing that i have a, you know i question slightly but you know you're in win now mode right now so i, I get the move at, at, at the same time but the one that was kind of surprising to me i guess you could say the lack of moves for two teams one of them was you know the green bay packers uh the, for weeks for weeks they're they've been saying that they're gonna you know try to get a wide receiver uh, they seem to be the leader in the doghouse to get Chase Claypool. Uh, clearly, that didn't work out. Uh, I think it came down to how high the draft pick was in comparison to Chicago that they were going to send over. Um, I, I think, Jay, for this one, do you think this is the front office waving a white flag on the season? Or is it like, you know, we're just going to do our thing and Aaron Rodgers, you're just going to have to deal with it? Well, I, th- I think it's a little too late for... Um in their minds, the front office to bring in a wide receiver and try to get him up to speed immediately and help him make a playoff run. Because the thing I've noticed the most about some of these older quarterbacks, and obviously Tom Brady was notorious for this, was he didn't like young players coming in. And when young players did come in, he felt he needed a good offseason with them throwing in the offseason, throwing it with them in training camp, having two or three games under their belt to really feel comfortable throwing the ball to him. And I think Aaron Rodgers is starting to get to that point as well where he's very con- where he's very um, condescending about how he wants to bring players along. Um, so I think in their mind, they probably thought, you know what, there's no point of bringing this guy in. Rodgers is not going to gel with them immediately. Let's just hope he can gel with some of the talent we have on the roster at the moment. Yeah, I can buy that. And the second one was Brandon Cook's not getting moved. Oh. And for a while, it sounded like he was going to be traded. And you, see you know, tweet? they told him not to. Oh, I saw the tweet. <laughs> and I, they, uh, they told him not to go to practice yesterday. They're playing on Thursday night. And the trade deadline comes, and he, he's not moved, and he pretty much takes an AC-130 gunship uh, on Twitter about how he feels about it, saying he pretty much covered up for things for the organization and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let me, let me actually read that tweet I got in front of me here. So, Brandon Cooks tweeted yesterday at 4.03 p.m., don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies for too long. Those days are done. Cross the line of playing with my career. Hashtag arrow. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's it's obviously safe to say he is not playing tomorrow, Thursday, uh, against the Philadelphia So why Eagles. is he not playing tomorrow? Why is he not playing? So like if they trade well, he wasn't, away, he's well, still like. No. Well, the thing is, Jay, is it, it's a short week. And they told him not to go to practice yesterday. Uh, so I, I get it. He's a veteran. But at the same time, like, it's a short week. If anything, it's going to be, you know, walkthroughs. And he missed out on one of the days because they thought they were going to move him. And clearly they they reneged on it or they just didn't care. Uh, Grant, I think a deal could have been had if they were willing to just, you know, eat the, you know, some of his $18 million that's guaranteed. Because that's what Chicago was doing with Roquan Smith, and some teams have been able to do that to get you know more draft capital back. And I think we can all agree the Houston Texans are in the market for more draft picks. Um, but he's not playing. I'm not expecting him to play tomorrow against the Philadelphia Eagles. And quite frankly, I'm not really expecting him to play a whole lot more the rest of the season. Mm, okay. All right, before we move on to the game previews, um, I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to say the Texans are winning tomorrow night against the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah? Is that crazy? With no Nico Collins? All, all I'm saying is I think that the Philadelphia Eagles are rolling. Um, they're starting to get very very high on themselves, very cocky. Um, I saw something the other night uh, on the sideline where Kelsey, the center for the Eagles, wore a freaking Batman mask on the sideline. And I'm like, what is this, a freaking clown show? Like, I remember how much we killed uh, Mark Sanchez for eating a hot dog on the sideline. This guy's out here wearing a, a, a costume and a Halloween mask on the sideline. I'm just saying, I think the Eagles, when, you, when you're when you undefeated and you're rolling, you're not going to get beat because, well, first of all, you're undefeated 
because you're a very good football team, right? So generally speaking, when you lose, when you're undefeated, is when you start looking past people. And I'm just saying, the spot, short week, travel to Texas, wouldn't be shocked if they lose tomorrow night. I'm not, I mean, I I could buy if you said they're going to keep it within the number, which is 14. Um, I don't think they got the tools to to win outright. Okay. So, All right. We'll see. I'm not crossing that bridge. Right. If I was betting this game, it, like if you held a gun to my head and said, hey, mm-hmm. you have to bet something on the Eagles-Texans game, mm-hmm. like I might say a Hail Mary, hold my nose, and take Houston with the points. Yeah. But, I mean, that is it. Well, I, I agree that, you know, your general sentiment that the Houston Texans could probably keep it close and uh, that 14 number is just way too high. But you know how I hate big, big spread numbers and that 14 number is massive. There's also a massive number in that Bills-Jets game as well. I believe it was 12, mm-hmm. 12 and a half. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So with that number, I generally shy away from big numbers, but I would take the Bills, man, because I think that Jets team is such a fraudulent team. And, and it comes down to just how much dismay I have grown to have for Zach Wilson over the last two or three weeks just because the guy is not getting any better. Like, I'm watching the Patriots and the Jets game. And, and he thinks he's like some sort of Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes type of player where he'll like get out there, play some backyard football like Josh Allen and flick it downfield. Like he looks like that guy that like me in the backyard practicing Josh Allen moves, but he's actually really bad at it just like I am. Like he's throwing some of the worst picks I've ever seen. And I thought we were past this. I thought Zach Wilson from year one to year two especially sitting out the first month of the season, learned some of the stuff to be more careful with the ball. And for a few games, you know, he was fine with it. He didn't turn the ball over. But he is just so stupid. Like, he's a special kind of bad Puma when it comes to quarterback decision-making. And this is coming from a guy who watches Mac Jones on a weekly basis. Like, Mac Jones makes some dumb plays. Like, trust me, he makes some very dumb plays. Nowhere near as bad as Zach Wilson is. Yeah, I'm on the... Well, I'm with you. I have the Bills winning this game. They are but rolled. I'm... I, I don't think they're going to roll. I mean, they couldn't cover the spread against the, the Packers last week. And granted, that was because they took the foot off the gas. I have the Jets keeping it within the number. I mean, I was kind of kicking myself. I missed out on the Jets plus 13. It's down to 12 and a half right now. Everything you said about Zach Wilson is spot on. The one bright spot is the defense uh, The defense of the New York Jets here. Very and good. I Very think mm-hmm. it's, it's great. And we did see this on Sunday where, you know, the only semblance of an offense that the Jets, uh, not the Jets, that the uh, the Packers could muster against the Buffalo Bills was on the ground. And they were almost getting like six yards a clip with uh, with Aaron Jones and, and with a little sprinkle of A.J. Dillon here or there. I mean, the Jets, they're going to want to run the football. They're, they're going to run it with uh, with James Robinson. You're going to see a little bit more production out of him this week now that he's more in the swing of things. And Michael Carter. Um, so I think they're going to run the football a lot. That's why I think it's close. I don't really like a big spread for a divisional game either. Uh, but with all things being said, I have the Jets keeping it within the number. But I do think the Bills win. Um, and honestly, I know Salah has come out and said that Zach Wilson is our quarterback moving forward regardless, Mm -hmm. but at some point, Mm -hmm. like you have to understand what the, you know, what, you know, read the room here. This is a great defense. We're wasting it away with arguably the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. And I'm saying that as like Teddy two gloves, Bridgewater is better than Zach Wilson. Back Jones is better, better than Zach Wilson right now. Uh, even though he looked shaky in that game against uh, the Jets last week. But, I mean, at some point, you've got to have to think of either Mike White is going to be back here or, you know, maybe Joe Flacco will be out of the doghouse for some reason because he's listed as quarterback three and he was listed inactive last week. Uh, one of those two guys is going to have to step in because it's not like they're out of the hunt for anything in the AFC right now, surprising enough, and they're wasting this defense. Here's my thing, Robert Sala. I've I've never fully bought into him. Um, I think he's a great defensive coordinator that got mistaken for a head coach. And yes, his defense is great. Um, it's starting to come into come into form this this year. Last year's defense was horrible, but. I think Robert Sala needed to send a message on Sunday. Zach Wilson threw that first pick. All right. Everybody, everybody throws one pick a game, whatever. Let's move on. That second pick was horrendous. Like, it was just so god-awful bad. The running around, flicking in the air. 
And then if you think it couldn't get any worse, he does it again. He does this bullshit where he constantly runs around and then throws it across the middle of the field because he thinks his arm is going to be strong enough to get it there. I think after that third pick, Robert Sala needed to have the balls to bench him. And not bench him because you wanted to move on to Mike White or Joe Flacco, but bench him to send a freaking message. Because this is your freaking two, Zach Wilson. You can't complete, you can't keep making these these dumb decisions. And, and I think Robert Sala is, is he's, a weak, he's a weak coach, man. He, he had a, he had a, he had a great opportunity to send a great message to a young quarterback like obviously Bill Belichick did a couple weeks ago and obviously I get it Bill Belichick and Robert Sala you can't compare them but Robert Sala needs to understand he's probably coaching for his job if this thing unravels and Zach Wilson is going to be the reason why it's going to unravel so you got to keep him on the tracks and I would have sent a message and benched him for 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 the rest of that game Exactly. Exactly. A little bit of news on the Bills side. Uh, obviously, Trevidarius White has come off of IR. Any chance he plays on su- on Sunday? Uh, I'm expecting him to play. Um, I, I I don't think he really needs that much of a ramp up in this defense. He's been part of a Leslie Frazier defense for God knows how long at this point. Do I think he'll be on a snap count potentially? Yes, uh, especially if this game gets out of hand and the Bills take the foot off the gas. Uh, but I, I expect him to be active, uh, you know, for this one o'clock kickoff. Okay. And then finally, any chance Naheem Hines is going to play and what kind of reps are we seeing out of him? It could be a, uh, Christian McCaffrey type of like, we got a package for him week one, maybe 10 to 12 carries kind of day, or is it going to be, Hey, we'll just bring you along slowly. You got a couple carries here and there. Uh, I'm going to go with a couple carries here and there. If anything, maybe he'll play like five to 10 snaps tops, but I mean, if he's listed as inactive, I, I w- honestly would not be shocked. Okay, cool. All right, uh, let's move on to, I know, a game that you're very excited about. The Miami Dolphins are traveling to Chicago, take on the Chicago Bears. Uh, Miami is coming off of a win against the Detroit Lions. Um, they look great on offense. On defense, they had some issues. And then the Bears are coming off of a loss, a pretty a pretty uh, big beatdown against the, the Cowboys. But uh, let me turn it over to you, Puma. I know it's your team. I know you already watched this game. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. Uh, it got a little dicey against the Detroit Lions last week. Uh, they barely covered that three-point spread. Uh, it got a little interesting towards the end of the game. But, I mean, Tua picked up uh, right where he left off at the beginning of the year. And I, I understand as the Detroit Lions, their defense is horrid. But it's a good get you know bounce-back spot for Tua in this offense. And, I mean, he... I think he ended the day with you know four touchdowns or damn near four touchdowns. I mean Tyreek got involved, Waddle got involved. I think Waddle got two of them. Uh, Gasecki got a touchdown here, and hell, even Tua was you know running and moving the sticks. So he looked good. He looked like he was feeling himself here. Um, the only thing with the Bears is it seems like they started to open up the offense a bit more, and. I mean, I, I'm expecting mm-hmm. Claypool to play, you know, because of how bad the wide receiver core is. And that's nothing to take. I'm not taking shots at Darryl, Darnell Mooney here. But, you know, Equiminius St. Brown is not a legit wide receiver, too. He's just wide receiver, too, by default. Uh, you know, Nikhil Harry, we all know about Nikhil Harry's run in New England here. That wide receiver core leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I think it's good to get in-game reps between Claypool and Fields, and Fields is feeling himself. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Jay, the Bears were in that game yes, until Khalil Herbert mm-hmm. fumbled that football, mm-hmm. and then then the wheels fell off the bus, and the rest is history. Up until that point, the Bears were a very live underdog in that Dallas Cowboys game. Um, and also, weather might be a factor in mm-hmm. Chicago this weekend. Uh, they're talking about gusts north to 25 miles an hour. You know, obviously, it's going to be it's going to start getting cold on the uh, the Great Lakes up there. So we'll see how this offense looks in cold weather type climates because that's going to come back. Uh, you know, towards the end of the season when we play the Buffalo Bills. Um, I have the Dolphins winning this game, but one of my best bets I'll get into it later is uh, the Chicago Bears getting the five points. Boom! I got the Bears win this game. I really do. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think they're a live dog. I, I, I think the way this game is going to go with it being November in Chicago, the wind is going to be picking up. You might see some precip- uh, precipitation. I think all of that is going to force us into a ground and pound defensive game. I, I think the aerial attack that we saw inside a dome in Detroit last week with the Miami Dolphins might be negated by the elements. Uh, and I think well, what the Bears have done so far I've been so impressed. Like, listen, I'm I'm no Matt Eberflus fan, and I still am not, uh, but I am surprised at how he was able to watch what the Ravens did to Bill Belichick's defense, went into the lab in that bye week leading up to the Patriots game, 
kind of revamped their offense a little bit. I mean, they're using a lot more of those. I've seen the Bills do this where they take that fullback and guard and pull him and then Justin Fields running right down their throat as well. Like, Justin Fields is a is a fairly big dude. He's not Josh Allen, but he's bigger than the average quarterback. He's about 6'4", uh, 225 pounds, and he's very, very athletic. So they're doing a great job with him running, and, and all that running with Justin Fields has really opened up the passing game. Now, he's still mm-hmm. erratic sometimes. He can still obviously miss a wide-open receiver here and there, but I, I am very excited to see what Justin Fields does this week, how he progresses, and I also want to see what Claypool does. Obviously, we're not expecting a lot out of him being his first week in, in Chicago, but I want to see if he can pick up some of the offense, give him a little bit of deep threat downfield, and we'll see what happens. Now, the other end, the Dolphins, this is a big litmus test for them. Like I said, Puma, there. the only concern I have left for them, honestly, is what they're going to do on the road in the cold in the playoffs, right? In Buffalo, in Kansas City. And this is one of those games where they can get some familiarity with the elements, um, being outside cold in in, uh, in the Northeast or in the North in general. So I'm looking forward to see that. I want to see what Chubb can do, um, if he's going to play at all, and how, much snap he, how many snaps he has. And I want to see what Tua does, man. Tua so far, you know, any game that he started and finished, he's undefeated, right? Only him and Jalen Hurts can say that this year. Uh, the guy looks confident. Um, Mike McDaniel, I, I tell you about Puma, he should be coach of the year candidate. He really should be, man. Like, what he's done with Puma, what he's done with Tua, it, it's remarkable. And it just goes to show you with how badly Brian Flores just butchered this whole thing. Because there is a confident, good quarterback in Tua deep down that Brian Flores never was able to tap into. And I think we got to give a lot of love and adulation to Mike McDaniels for believing in the kid and then scheming up like no other man. He's like a mad genius back there right now. He's like Chip Kelly in college a few years ago, but in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hell, Tua was doing a presser today, I think after practice, and he sounded like a a little bit salty saying, you know, how his deep ball, hey guys, the deep ball improved much this week and and whatnot. Like he was kind of ribbing the media a little bit. So I, I... Love this side of Tua. I wasn't high on Tua coming out of out of college. I mean, Jay, you know this, but um, I'm start. I'm I'm buying it on Tua Tagovailoa. I could I could take the L. Uh, you know, things change, and he's. I'm, I'm definitely happy that he is the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins right now. So, so you know how like we talk a lot about intangibles, Puma, and it's something that we say because we can't really quantify or articulate what an intangible is for a quarterback. Tua's got it. Tua mm-hmm. has it. The leadership. Like, I will never be able to forget that night in in the BCS Championship game where they're down by, like, 10 points to a vaunted Clemson team, and Jalen Hurts is thinking it up, and and, um, Nick Saban's like, all right, kid, go out there, and Tua goes out there to start slinging it downfield. Um, so I think I think as his confidence grows, he's one of those quarterbacks that the more reps he has, the more confident he is, the more he, he thrives in a positive, like, you know, a great environment. And years ago, this is a quick little story. Years ago, Bill Belichick, before he's moving off of Tom Brady, he commissioned a study uh, done by some like psychology group about how Brady, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, all these great titans of their sports reacted to the environments. And it came back that most of them, like Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan, thrived off of like a lot of like built up like like resentment and negativity, but Brady was one of those few that you know thrived in a very positive, loving, nurturing uh, environment. And I think that's the same thing with Tua. That's what I get. Just his background, you know, very laid back Hawaiian kind of guy, right? So he needs that that support and the camaraderie. And and I think Mike McDaniel's is giving it to him. And I think we're only going to see him get better and better as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to another great game of the week. We've got the uh, Los Angeles Rams going back to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. This is a rematch of the uh, NFC Divisional game from last year. Um, Right off the bat, Puma, um, who wins this game and why? I mean, I don't like either side in this game, but, I mean, someone has to win the football game. I'm (laughs) going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers only because of how bad the offensive line is for the Rams. And in theory and on paper, there are still horses on the front four and front seven of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that should, emphasis on should, be able to get after Matthew Stafford, especially with, you know, Cooper Cup, you know, having a high ankle sprain of some sort, you know, maybe did, did he's going he, did to be... He, able- did he cry and need to be uh, lifted off the the field of play with his ankle? I mean, I didn't see him looking like he got shot on the first okay. wave All going right. on to Omaha Beach, but... Okay. So he's a man, okay. Uh, but, um, you know, it, that's, a deep, that's a big concern because if there's... 
all that Stafford's been throwing to you this season has been Cooper Cup because there's no one else to really take the heat off of uh, Stafford and the offense. And I think that's really the only person he trusts in the offense at this point. I mean, Tyler Higby was kind of, you know, a missing man last week. Uh, Allen Robinson looks like he's starting around the corner. But, I mean, it's, someone's going to have to step up big time if Cooper Cup's not able to go. Maybe that'll be Van Jefferson. I know he was activated off of IR last week. But there isn't a whole lot to be desired from this Rams team. Um, I think, you know, this is kind of what happens when you go all in to win a championship. They did, and... You know, they didn't fix the offensive line. Their wide receiver core leaves a lot to be desired. And honestly, Jay, like, who knows what's going on in that backfield? Because Kyron Williams might be the lead back this week because uh, Daryl Henderson, I think, is dinged up. He missed practice. And only God knows what's going on with Cam Akers and and this coaching staff right now. Uh, I never thought I'd say this with all the going on in Los Angeles. Give me the noise from Tampa Bay and Tom Brady and coaching staff i mean i'm willing to lay the three points at this point with tampa bay to win at home and uh i mean at this point it is a must win game considering how bad the the nfc south is right now who had the who had the atlanta falcons leading the division right now not me not me and uh you know when i was looking about looking at this game and thinking about who i'm going to pick to win I came to the conclusion both teams are very talented, right? Very good individual pieces, and both are struggling a little bit. And for me, the deciding factor into why I'm going to choose the Rams to win this game over the Bucks is the coaching. And Sean McVay, I feel, can still, you know, tap into it. Um, he can obviously, you know, get his team to go. I think there's a serious issue with Todd Bowles in, in, in Tampa Bay. Like, I know everybody was super excited when he took over for BA and... I get it. He's getting a second shot after his debacle in New York. But what I'm seeing out of this Buccaneers team, Puma, is so damn concerning to me. Like Tom Brady's play, yes, it's 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 an issue, and we'll rightfully say he's not playing to his to his level. But there is so much more before we get to Tom Brady that is wrong with this Buccaneers team that I don't even know where to start. And I guess the first thing we should start with is obviously that running attack for the Buccaneers. I think Leonard Fournette's washed. I think he is done and washed. I think he was. Obviously very heavy coming into the, the regular football season. And it seems like it's carrying over because they're like one of, the, if not the last team in rushing, they're one of the bottom two or three on a consistent basis. But the more concerning thing that I'm seeing, and Devin White, I sent this guys to, to you guys in the Twitter chat. Um, Warren Sapp was showing a play where Devin White has somewhat kind of given up. And I've seen a lot of that out of this defense, which is shocking because Todd Bowles seems like he's a he's a very good defensive coach, and he seems like he gets his guys up and going. Maybe his maybe the fact he's a head coach and can't be in the uh, defensive rooms, uh, defensive uh, meeting rooms uh, week in and week out is an issue. But I've seen this now against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they let uh, Trubisky basically close the game out for them. I've seen this against God PJ Walker carved him up out of all people, and then last week you saw Devin White half assing it, like he literally was not even trying to get over to make some of these blocks and these plays. So I'm really concerned with what's happening with Todd Bowles. Um, I think it's going to be, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think this thing is about to unravel in Tampa Bay and and promise you Brady's going to get 90% of the blame because obviously it is Tom Brady and we get all that. But there's a lot more there than just Brady that's wrong. And I think Todd Bowles is number one, number two right behind Brady. Right, and I'll give you that, but at the same time, I mean, there was a stat at one point on Thursday Night Football last week when they were playing the Ravens where, I mean, Tampa Bay, they only had the ball for less than 15 minutes. Now, granted, I'm with you, the defense has been bad, but I mean, you're facing the Ravens here. The Ravens have the ball for over 40 minutes. That defense is going to get gassed. That offense is not doing them any favors. And yes, it comes down to the rushing attack, but I mean, there were... Out of all the people involved in the offensive side of the football, at this juncture in their their tenure together, you would think that Mike Evans and Tom Brady would be on the same page with a route. And clearly, like, there was miscommunication. And I wouldn't say he was chirping, but there was some back and forth between Mike Evans and Tom Brady coming off of the field. And, you know, if, if on the defense that's been holding the Rams, the Ravens rather, in check for most of the game, and this offense is not helping us and putting, us, putting up some points – you know, I'm not going to be able to stop a runny nose either if I haven't been off the field for more than two minutes. Yeah, no, I get all that. And, you know, obviously complimentary football plays a lot into how 
time of possession is divvied up, right? Obviously, if you can't keep drives going on offense, you got to put the defense back out there. If the defense can't get off the field, then the offense has less time. So that's a very complimentary thing. I just, I just think with what we've seen as a body of work from that Raven, from that Buccaneers defense this year, has been borderline abysmal. Like I can't believe they let PJ Walker do what he did to to that defense. So a lot of blame is going to go around, and sure, Brady's in the burn of it. So you know, I'm not even going to argue all that, but. I just I just feel this is gonna end horribly. And I think Todd Bowles was a wrong man for the job. We have to call a spade for we have to call a spade a spade and he was just he's not head coaching material. I think we can solidify that statement unless he turns it around in the next few games. But he had a horrible stint in New York and now it's the same exact thing. That's what pisses me off the most is he made mistakes in New York that he has not learned from. He he simply has not learned from and it's the same exact thing over again now. I mean, this is kind of the gift that keeps on giving for, uh, you know, pretty much forcing Bruce Arians out of the coaching coaching area. I, ne- right? I never thought I'd miss B.A. Like, I, I – this is going to sound <laughs> bad. This is going to sound really bad. But I think maybe with how much B.A. ruled with an iron fist, with him leaving and the substitute teacher taking over, I, I think that's, that's basically what's happening here is that these players feel like the, the iron-fisted like teacher went away and now we've got the sub so we can do whatever the hell we want. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't like quantify how, how Devin White's not even trying. Like, I, I don't understand how they're missing gaps. They're not tackling well. Like, this is, I just can't, I, I don't understand. I really don't understand what's happening. I, I don't, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it has to come back to Todd Bowles' easy, laid-back nature. And maybe that's that's fine for when you're coming into a new situation and starting from scratch. But he's basically a defensive coordinator the last few years, and like I just I just feel they're missing that. Uh, Brady can only yell so much uh, to his offensive line, and when he does that, everybody loses their goddamn mind. So like all he can do is just sit back and be like, all right, well I guess it is what it is. If the head coach is not going to get into these people in these uh, players' asses, what am I going to be able to do here? Yep, fun times in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Fun times. All right, let's move on to the uh, Seattle Seahawks taking on uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, fun fact, Puma, next week at this time, we can watch our first episode of Hard Knocks with the Arizona Cardinals. We can see just how much time Kylo Murray is putting into his playbook and how much he's playing on COD because I'm sure they're going to touch on that subject, right? I can't wait to see how that marriage between um, Kyler Murray and uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going. I mean, you know, before we get in the game preview, just real quick, I, I feel like that marriage between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury is like the definition of like staying together for the kids. Like clearly they don't like each other anymore, but like, you know, all things considered, they just don't want to, you know, break it up and leave the kids to be like ruined type of deal. Uh, but I mean, this is this is not going well. Uh, the Cardinals didn't really look that great last week against the Minnesota Vikings, even though the Vikings at times like wanted to give that game away. Meanwhile, you have the Seattle Seahawks, who I believe are leading the NFC West at this point uh, with Geno Smith, and who had on the bingo card that Geno Smith was going to be, you know, number one in completion percentage with, uh, and also have 13 touchdowns and three interceptions. And and absolutely rolling in this offense uh, with Pete Carroll because I will stand up and say I did not have that on the bingo card. Honestly, I thought the Seahawks would probably finish dead last in the division this year. Uh, so I am happy to be proven wrong. Um, I like the Seahawks in this spot. Uh, the uh, the spread here. Uh, it's at you know see, Seattle's getting two points here. They're going down uh, to Arizona in the desert, uh, but I, I like the Seahawks. So Kenneth Walker the third is uh, probably going to be the runaway, mm-hmm. pun intended, uh, offensive rookie of the year, uh, especially with uh, the injury for that rookie uh, Brees Hall uh, out of the Jets. But even if Brees Hall was healthy, I, I think Kenneth would just absolutely dominate and, and get the uh, the the offensive rookie of the year award, but. This team's absolutely rolling. They're operating well in the offense. Their draft class this year is, you know, all the rookies have pretty much been stepping up and playing to where they've been drafted. And I I am pleasantly surprised. I think if the Cardinals lose this week, uh, you're probably going to see maybe a little bit more stuff in the media about Kyler Murray's feelings with the offensive play calling or the offensive play calling with how Kyler Murray's been performing. Because at some point, like, this team for the Cardinals is stacked. Ron Del Moore is going to be one of the, you know, emerging wide receivers moving forward. I have a lot of high hopes for Ron Del Moore, uh, especially with DeAndre Hopkins coming back. Like, you would think the offense would pick up where they left off the beginning portion of last year before they backed it, you know, backed it in the playoffs uh, last season. 
But give me the Seahawks here, getting points on the road. The over-unders at 49.5. I might look to the over, but I'll definitely take the Seahawks in this spot. Yeah, man, like the Seahawks, I think they're going to win too. And, you know, obviously I'll hit on the Seahawks real quick because I want to have a bigger discussion on the Cardinals. But Seahawks, I mean, what they've done in draft the last few years have been phenomenal, man. Like they've been, they've knocked out of the park. I mean, that cornerback they took was named Woolen, obviously Kenneth Walker. I mean, the fact that Geno Smith is has gone through some of these trials and tribulations in the NFL and he's come out a grizzled, hardened veteran that provides leadership. I mean, obviously Noah Fant and, and the boys they got from, from Denver they're, they're rolling right now it's a feel-good story happy for Geno Smith happy for Pete Carroll looks like they knew what they had in Russell Wilson and they got rid of him and you know things are working out for them but the Cardinal side of things I don't understand how this team is three and five I mean the, the amount of talent on this team is unreal and, and I can't seem to figure out what the issue here is is this simply a everything else is loaded and talented but that quarterback play is horrible or is it a marriage between Cliff Kingsbury and Colin Murray that's not working out well and I get it at the end of the day you know they're gonna fire Cliff Kingsbury before they get rid of the the, the big contracted uh, quarterback but I think Colin Murray's that type of guy no matter which coach he's gonna have he's gonna have problems with man like he doesn't seem like he's a leader at all and, and i think it's starting to really bubble now and fester and this hard knocks is coming at the wrong time like if this is a hard knock for the cardinals last year and they have all these problems it'd be fine now that they're gonna have to do all this um it's gonna be unreal so i wanted to pick your brain on what you think is the main root cause of why why the cardinals are three and five at the moment god i i, I just think this there's there's a disconnect between in Kyler Murray and and uh, and Cliff Kingsbury, I don't I don't know where the marriage soured, but I, I think it all generates from that because you know Van Joseph, I think he's been calling a great defensive game plan for the Cardinals, uh, even with JJ Watt getting up there in age. Uh, but I mean, we started seeing the emergence of Jeffrey Simmons a little bit, uh, you know, that high draft pick from two years ago, I believe, out of Clemson that could pretty much play every spot on the defense. Um, I, I honestly think it's that. I just maybe it's Cliff Kingsbury might have to defer play calling duties to someone else, and he just focuses on being a head coach. Uh, because I mean, we're seeing that with with the Giants. Like Dayball is not the offensive coordinator in New York. It's it's Kafka that's the offensive coordinator. And look and look at what the Giants have been able to get for a record with far less talent on the team compared to what's going on in the desert right now. So I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury needs to give up some some stuff. I don't know if Kyler Murray needs to swallow some pride and maybe take some coaching. Like, it, it, it's got to be a disconnect between those two at this point. And that's ultimately what's going to hold back this franchise. And I don't know if the Bidwells are really going to put Kingsbury on the hot seat because they just gave him a contract extension. But I can't see them moving off of Kyler Murray either because they just gave that kid uh, a contract extension and then they had language in the contract about study time and then they had to take that back because of the backlash. But it's pretty sad when there people have backlash for the comment or the clause in the con in the contract. But those same people will also be out on Twitter and social media putting up how he does against the spread when there's double XP weekends <laughs> or how he hand, or how he performs when Call of Duty comes out. Yeah, yeah, good point. I don't know. It'll be an interesting uh, you know end of the season for the Cardinals, and we're all gonna get a front row seat. To the debacle. I can't wait. Oh my god! This, I can't wait. I'm so happy. I, I, I bet you. I bet you right now the numbers on this hard knocks is gonna be through the roof. Cause like I guarantee it. What's up? Go ahead. I said I guarantee it. Yeah. I, I guarantee it will be the highest rating one. Probably the highest rating one since uh, the 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 Raiders when they had Antonio Brown on there. Well, even last year it was pretty intriguing because for the while there the, the Colts were rolling. They started finding their groove, and then they all collapsed, and we saw all the behind the scenes from that. I just think this is gonna be this is gonna be just like perfecto, like when it comes to ratings. So it's gonna be mm -hmm. nice. Uh, okay, the last game of the week, Puma let's discuss the Sunday night football matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, right off the bat, is Malik Willis starting? Was Ryan Tannehill gonna be back this week? Um, I mean, they're hopeful that Tannehill is gonna start, but I mean, I think he's got like an illness, and then he's got the ankle injury. Uh, I think for Tennessee Titans, you know, hopes that they're going to want Tannehill back there because uh, Malik Willis did not look that great. And <laughs> I mean, I think he only threw the ball less than 10 times. Uh, it, it was kind of an adventure. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to bury the kid second round pick out of Liberty. I'm not going to, not going to bury him here, but um, I think for this team to have a puncher's chance, 
going up against the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs here uh, at home in Arrowhead. Uh, you're going to want Tannehill back there. <clears throat> uh, the Chiefs have been stout on defense, especially against the run. Uh, so it might come down to the ball being in the quarterback's hands, whoever it is. And if it's announced that uh, Bleak Willis is starting, this 12.5-point spread I mm-hmm. think would probably jump up to 14. So um, if you like the Chiefs, I would probably jump on the 12.5 now, especially with them coming off of a bye week. But, but you know, buyer's disclaimer here, the Chiefs are atrocious against the spread. But all things considered, from an X's and O's standpoint, I have the Chiefs rolling in this game. Um you know, they, they've been able to really get it done through, you know, whichever way they want to. Shocker, through the air, on the ground. Maybe Isaiah Pacheco uh, might be more involved. Uh, two weeks ago, they announced he was going to be the starter, but they still had, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, you know, poaching here and there. I think he actually ended the day with more rush attempts than Pacheco. But the Chiefs just traded for Kadarius Tony, so this might be a coming out for uh, Kadarius Tony, he he broke free of the New York Giants and magically his hamstring injury is <laughs> is cured and he's he's been at practice and he's returning punts at practice. So maybe we'll see a showcase of Kadarius Tony in this game. But all things considered, you know, sorry to Tennessee Titans fans, but I, I think it's going to be a bit ugly on Thursday uh, Sunday Night Football rather. So when I was doing prep for this game, Puma, did you realize that the Titans are five and two? Yeah, in a really, really bad division. Like, <laughs> but, I, I mean, five I, and two is I five mean, and two. I, I, I was shook when I saw that because the way they started out the season was abysmal. They lost to the Giants. They lost to the Bills week two. They got blown out, and then they started getting they started getting hot quietly. Like they just kind of got buried in the background. They beat the tight. They beat the Raiders. They beat the Colts. They beat the Commanders. They beat the Colts again, and then obviously last week they beat the uh, the Texans. I'm not saying it's pretty wins. But they're finding ways to get it done, and I, and I was shocked by it. I was like, "Wait a minute, they're five and two? Like they're 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 up there? Like they'll be what the second or third uh, in the uh, in the standings right now for the AFC?" But you're right. I mean, there's no chance in hell I've got them going into Arrowhead and being the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are rolling right now. They're playing really good football. I think Patrick Mahomes has gone to a level now where he we thought he's going to miss Tyree Kill, but now he's really starting to understand some of the intricacies of playing quarterback and getting the ball to the open receiver. Um, he's going through his progressions uh, in, in a more quicker efficient way because in the past I've noticed he would just kind of like lock on to like Tyreek or Travis Kelsey and get open I think now there's a little bit more advanced quarterbacking going on here so that's good for him he still gets crazy a little bit sometimes he gets a little out of whack and throws that pick to win the game like he did with the Buffalo Bills but you're gonna have to live with that with Patrick Mahomes so I've got I've got nothing much to say here unless like somehow Derrick Henry goes off for 250 yards and keeps the ball away from the Chiefs I just don't see them having any chance of winning in uh, in, in our head yep Yep, I think it might be a quick, uh, quick game. Get out of mm-hmm. town, call it a day. Uh, yeah, give me, give me the cheese. It's gonna be game. one of those games where by halftime it's over on a Sunday night, and I might just go like tune it out and watch like a like a show or something, you know? Because like, exactly. let's be real. Like, if they, if the Chiefs, if the Titans went into Arrowhead like what three years ago now for the AFC Championship game, and they were up by ten points in the second half with a really good Ryan Tannehill that year and a really good Derrick Henry and a decent defense, and they couldn't close that game out, there's no way in hell this Titans team is gonna be able to go in there and win uh, against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I'll never, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget what the Titans did, and and I'll never forget what the Houston Texans did when they're up twenty-one zero with Deshaun Watson in Arrowhead and they crapped the bed. Yep. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Still, still tough. The segment that is sweeping the nation: best bets with the Puma. Who you got this week, bro? All right. So best bets with the Puma. Uh, so my, I, I don't have a whole lot of action right now in the NFL. Uh, I was again, you know, I'm kind of bummed. I missed out on the Jets getting 13 points in the division game. If the creeps back up, I'm probably gonna hop back on it. But right now, my action, uh, again, unofficial official sports book of the podcast is DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, I have the under 47 and a half Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. Um, I, again, I think this is going to come down to the Jets just running the football, uh, taking advantage of the potential weakness that the Buffalo Bills have, which is stopping the run. And forgot to mention this, but uh, po- the the Poyer injury to his elbow might is definitely something worth watching because I don't know if he's been practicing. Jordan Poyer, uh, he heard a pop in the game. Uh, his arm was wrapped up. So who knows if he's actually going to be able to play this game. Um, so give me the under 47 and a half uh, in the Bills-Jets game. 
Minnesota Vikings. We're going to do a first quarter money line bet. Uh, I have the Vikings winning the first quarter. Uh, they've been one of the best, uh, you know, offenses, best teams uh, in those first 15 scripted plays uh, for uh, for the majority of the season here. They're going up against the Washington football team. I, I love me some Taylor Heineke, but I think in the first quarter, the Vikings are going to win that quarter. So give me the Vikings. Uh, money line first quarter. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <clears throat> I got them getting uh, laying the three points against the Rams. If you can find a two and a half, I would definitely jump on that. I'm kind of sad I missed out on the two and a half, but give me the Bucks minus three. Uh, you want the analysis, just rewind about 10 minutes and you'll get to the Bucks game. Uh, the Detroit Lions getting three and a half points against uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, at home uh, in Ford Field. Uh, this offense can put up points. Their defense is a sieve, but it's not really going to matter because Rodgers hasn't really been on the same page with anybody in that offense outside of Aaron Jones and maybe Big Bob Tanyan. Uh, but I, I think they're going to be able to keep it close. I also think they're a live dog and would not be so, be shocked if they somehow won the game, even if DeAndre Swift doesn't play with a shoulder injury that's been nagging him. Uh, but I'll definitely take them on the spread, getting three and a half points. And the Chicago Bears, plus five against my Miami Dolphins uh, at home in, in, uh, at Soldier Field. Weather's going to be a factor. They've opened up the playbook with, uh, with Justin Fields. And right now, I think it's safe to say Justin Fields is probably the best quarterback out of that rookie draft class right now. Um, so give me the Bears getting the five points. Uh, and those are my best bets with the Puma. And hopefully I see you guys at the pay window. Uh, okay. So quick, a fancy question before I leave Puma. Like I need a tight end for this upcoming week because George Kittle is on a buy. Uh, do I put in a claim for Hayden Hurst, Robert Tunyon, Logan Thomas, uh, who's this Ingram for the Jacksonville Jaguars, or looks like this be right uh, for the Detroit Lions because now Hawkinson's gone. Um, that's, Noah fan, Disley. I mean, what are you thinking here, man? Like, I'm a little bit on the... Obviously, tight ends this year and fancy have been abysmal. If you have Travis Kelsey, you're lucky. Other than that, it's it's been borderline trash. Um, I would pick up, I mean, out of all of that scrap heap, maybe Bob Tanyan, mm-hmm. just because of how things have been going. But I'll say this, Jay. I would keep an eye out for the injury report for Mark Andrews for the Ravens Mm. because if he's not able to go, I would jump on Isaiah Likely in a cocaine heartbeat because he pretty much picked up where Mark Andrews left off on Thursday night against the Bucs. I think he ended the night with six receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Um, So I would definitely monitor the injury report because that's personally what I'm doing in my league because I have Kyle Pitts, Taysom Hill, and I don't really feel that confident in either or at the tight end position. But if there's more reports coming out that Mark Andrews is not able to go or he's going to be maybe potentially limited uh, because he's dealing with the shoulder injury. And I think he's got an ankle injury that popped up. Um, I would definitely plug and play Isaiah Likely. The only caveat is, is it's Monday night football. So mm. we might not get a report until, mm. you know, maybe late Saturday night. Mm. If Aaron, uh, if Adam Schefter breaks the news or maybe Sunday morning in one of the pregame shows. Uh, but if you have room on your bench to stash it and want to wait it out, um, I would certainly do so. I might do that strategy with, you know, having Taysom Hill. I might drop someone to pick up Isaiah Likely. And if Mark Andrews can't go, I'll just swap the two out. But that's what I'm looking to do. I think that's a good plan. I think I'm going to put in a waiver for Hayden Hurst at the moment just because I think with Jamar Chase being gone, you're down to two wide receivers. And, and uh, I think the tight end might get more looks with that. And then I'll keep an eye on the injury report and see if Likely is going to play or not. Because I might do that. I might if, if it looks like Andrews can't go, but if it's a game time decision, being on a Monday night, it's going to be hard. You feel me? Like, you have to kind of make that decision on Sunday at 1, I guess. Right. Um, so, But it's also a shoulder injury, like in an ankle. And I think an ankle popped up. I mean, he took, like, two hits in that Bucks game, and he took himself out of the game. So, I mean, it's not beyond the realm that the situation might happen. Maybe if you're behind in fantasy, uh, if you have, like, your tight end that's playing at, like, 4 o'clock and you're, you're potentially in a hole and you need that upside – Maybe you throw him in for a dart throw. It, it kind of depends on how the roster construction is. Well, I moved up from last 10th uh, in my league to 7th. Um, oh. I feel like I'm making some good headway. Um, I just uh, 
brokered a deal to send uh, Devontae Adams uh, over for Jonathan Taylor. So now, in theory, I've got the best two running backs in Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. And if Jonathan Taylor can get his head out of his ass, that'd be wonderful because that is... Basically, I made a gamble. I was like, either I'm either going to lose on this trade and the season's going to be over for me or somehow Jonathan Taylor and the now hopefully Frank Wright taking over and going back to the bread and butter from last year can really help Jonathan Taylor propel into some fancy points. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't know if you saw that uh, his ankle injury flared up and he missed practice today. Damn it! <laughs> so another instance of if you have room on your bench or want to drop some dead weight, it might behoove you to pick up Dion Jackson if he's on waivers. Oh, my God. Well, I guess I lost fantasy this year. Can we also talk about, like, real quick for fantasy, like – I don't know if your league is like this. My league, damn near half of the teams, myself included, are at like four and four or mm-hmm. just below five hundred. Yeah, it is. It is like I, maybe it's like it's just that weird of a season in real life football. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen it like this. Uh, you know, going into what is this week eight? Like everyone still has a puncher's chance uh, potentially to make the playoffs in my fantasy league. <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the year, uh, this, this whole year for the NFL has been a down in in essence, right? Defensive, uh, defensive game plans, what like are causing havoc? Maybe I don't know, but scoring is down. So if scoring is down, and obviously fantasy is offensive minded, then I guess that could affect it. Yep, it's just wild. Everyone's damn near four and four, or just below that, five and three. Five. <laughs> it's kind of insane. Um, okay, man. Well, that's really all I've got. Um, if you want to plug it up, we can call it a day. Actually, before we do that, let me run this by you real quick. The NFC and uh, AFC, NFC playoff picture. AFC number one seed, Buffalo Bills, right? They got the bye. And the mm-hmm. Chargers, number seven seed versus number two seed, Titans. Who you got in that game? Oh, God. I mean, I, I have zero faith in Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm. And who knows what the hell is going on with Keenan Allen because he re-aggravated his hamstring injury somehow mm-hmm. in the bye week. Uh, I mean, give me the Titans. Just because I, I, I have zero faith in this coaching staff. And for some reason, they're not letting Justin Herbert, you know, uh, just just let it rip. Like, I don't know why. There's just so many questions going on with that with that team. I, I will take the I will take the Titans in an upset against the Chargers right well, now. Well, they'd be the number two seed, and, and the Chargers would be number seven seed, so it'd be, I guess they'd be the favorite, right? Uh, I, guess, I guess so. Uh, well, and let, I'll say it like this way, though. Every, all the con- if this game actually happened, who is everybody going to pick to win that game? The Chargers. Exactly. Well, but then again, Brandon says is going to mess it up somehow, right? So, like, my right, whole exactly. goal, my whole hope is somehow he messes it up on national stage again. He gets canned, and then Sean Payne takes over, and we've got twenty beautiful years of Sean Payne and Justin Herbert. But that's just a pipe. Yeah. Thing. But no, yeah. Uh, second one, uh, number six seed uh, Dolphins taking on the number three seed Chiefs. Who you got winning that game? Ooh, ooh. Fins up, baby. Let's go. Fins it's going to be close. Chub, I will take. I, I will take the, the points. I'll take the points with the Dolphins because you, you you have to figure, all right, let's say that game happens. It's going to be an arrowhead, right? Mm-hmm. So the spread is probably what? It's going to be – it's not going to be it's more five? than – I don't think it would be more than a touchdown. I think it would be between five and seven and a half yeah. tops. I will take the points in an upset in arrowhead. Number five, uh, Jets versus number four, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Jets are not making the playoffs. I know right now they are, but give me the Ravens. Go, go. Uh, put a little Mike White, Mike Heat. Let's go. <laughs> uh, number one team in the NFC. Don't worry about that. Number seven, San Francisco versus number two, my, my Minnesota Vikings. Ooh. I give me the Vikings. The Vikings. Yeah, give me the Vikings. I kind of like what they're Vikings doing. will be at home, right? Yeah, Vikings will be home. Number two seed. Yeah. Yeah. Number, yeah, I'll go with the Vikings. Number six, uh, Giants versus number three, Seahawks. We just saw this past weekend. Seahawks won, so... Give me the Seahawks again, and at the end of the day, I get it. The, the Giants are playing good defense, but I really believe that Daniel Jones is eventually going to turn back into a pumpkin. So give me the Seahawks in that one. Yeah, you know, no disrespect to your brother, the big Giants fan. Oh, I, I, what's what this what they've done this season has been great. I think they're definitely ahead of schedule. I mean, that their their offensive weapons outside of Barkley is Wandale Robinson right now, and like I, no disrespect. There still needs to be some development because 
and Daniel Jones because if he hits that tight end on the wheel route, as we're t- probably talking about a different box score right now mm-hmm. uh, with the Giants potentially winning that game and, and the Darius Slayton throw. Um, they're, they're a year too early, in my opinion. Well, my whole take on that thing is I think Brian Dayball and that whole coaching staff is doing its best to coach around Jan- Daniel Jones's deficiencies. Like, you've seen where they literally, at some point, don't even want him throwing the football in the end zone. Like, they saw what happened week one against the Titans and that red zone interception he threw almost cost him that game. And ever since then, they've been like, all right, we, we're in a tight situation here. We need these yards. Saquon, go run Wildcat. I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. what, what they've done. And, and there's also rumblings that next year, obviously, you know, the Giants might be on a Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes or they might be looking for another quarterback next year. So it seems like Daniel Jones isn't Daywall's guy. And, and I think that's probably the right decision um, just because the amount of coaching they're doing right now just to keep up with his deficiencies is kind of unreal. And credit to them. He should be in the, the coach of the year conversation because of that. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Cowboys versus Falcons. That should be a fun game. Surprisingly, Falcons are four and four, uh, which is kind of shocking. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess I'll that take offensive the line is gonna. I'll take the Cowboys yeah. too. That offensive line is gonna get Mariota killed. And honestly, <laughs> for some reason, Arthur Smith hates throwing the football. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know why and why that is. And you know maybe it's because you know his old man runs FedEx and he just wants to keep everything on the ground. I I don't I, I don't know and I don't understand. But at some point, you have to think Desmond Ritter is going to be starting at some point this year, right? Like, I, I mean, you're telling me Marcus Mariota's that much better than Desmond Ritter right now? Like, even Desmond could just hand the football off 30 times to Huntley or Cordero Patterson coming off of IR this week. Uh, uh, there's just so many question marks about the Falcons. And that's what makes the NFC South mm-hmm. so goddamn aggravating. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if like Tom Brady and the freaking Buccaneers would get their goddamn heads out of their asses? This this NFC is so goddamn weak right now. Like it's it's kind of unreal. All right, last thing yep. before we go, right uh, this week the Falcons are playing the Chargers. How badly is Brandon Staley gonna butcher this? Because I'm gonna say he's gonna butcher it at a solid nine out of ten. So the Falcons are a three and a half point dog at home against the Chargers. And we don't know if Allen's going to play. I'm not expecting Allen to play. And, Jay, just because it's the Chargers, like, not only do I want to take the three and a half, it's juiced to minus 120, I might actually take the Falcons to win this game. Like, I might might talk myself into doing that. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, I have zero faith in Brandon Staley and, and, and Joe Lombardi as the coaching staff. And, you know, I love me some Justin Herbert, too. But there, there are times where the back-breaking interception rears its ugly head, and the, the Falcons went probably had the game of the year so far against the Panthers last week, and they're probably feeling themselves. I, I, I think they could win that game at home. I think I'm going to talk myself into betting them at, at plus 140 right now on DraftKings to win against the Chargers. I would love it. I just want Brandon Staley gone, simply put. Because at that point, you have to figure – the, the 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 who owns the team the span the, the spanos spanos, yeah. spanos? Yeah. the spanos family and yeah. i know they have their own court battle going on between who actually owns the fucking team but i mean you have to figure if they lose to the atlanta falcons like that has to be like the light bulb switch of we have to start turning the heat up on on staley right like well it, if not then then when well they should have like turned the heat up on them like Obviously, last year with what he was doing, but this year, like, you spent all that money in in free agency. You you solidify the defense, and I get it. J.C. Jackson is hurt now, but I mean, these these players, like, this defense is so bad. Like, even like I get it. Justin Herbert has his issues, and obviously, the offense, you know, has some injuries as well with Ken Allen being out. But like, my God, that defense is horrible. And we thought he's a defensive minded coach. That's the thing that always like bugs me is like when you're calling card is offense or defense, and you're a head coach. And that side of the ball that you're supposed to be great at is, is horrible. That always kind of raises a red flag to me because then uh, it goes back to like, well, can you really divide your time and attention? Like, are you a good, like, you know, time manager? And like, are you not enough providing enough input on the defensive meetings and the offensive meetings? There's a lot that goes into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, listen, I'm done for the day. You want to plug it up? I'm I'm all set, man. I'm going to try to hop on and watch the World Series right now. I got a couple of bets I'm sweating in that oh. game. So this uh, this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts at. If it's YouTube, be sure to hit that little bell button to subscribe to the feed. You'll be notified when the latest episodes are dropped in our channel. Uh, uh, Google Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review there as well, too. Uh, social media, Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast. Uh, Twitter machine, at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine at Brando underscore Puma, the captain of the ship, uh, the, the man of the hour on the ones and twos. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on social media. The DMs are open. And always remember, like we said at the top of the show, we're getting into that time of the seasonal effectiveness stuff. Be sure to reach out to somebody if you're feeling down. If you have to talk to somebody, 988. And again, you know, Jay, you did, you brought up a great point. Our DMs are open. If for some reason we're going to be there to help you out of your darkest moment in your life, hit us up on social media. My DMs are open. Jay's DMs are open. The PFR pages DMs are open. Be sure to hit us up. We care about you guys. And on that note, we'll talk to you guys next week. Via con Dios. <laughs> <laughs>